Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to another edition of After Hours with Defoe and Luby. I'm Jeff DeForest along with Mike Luby. Luby, it's a pleasure to have you here on the program on the Believe Podcast Network on what is a national holiday, Martin Luther King Day, commemorating the great life of Martin Luther King and all of his philosophies. And uh, Luby, you can appreciate this because uh, I grew up in the hippy-dippy era and we were very much involved in social causes and felt like we could change the world and make everything right. And Martin Luther King stood for a lot of that, a lot of bravery at the time, at a time where, uh, unfortunately, as we look back about 50 years later, many of the same conditions, uh, unfortunately, are still in place, including uh, potential suppression of voter rights and all kinds of different things. So uh, whatever side of the fence you happen to be on, I, I don't know that the world has changed enough for people to be satisfied about it because we got into all of that ugliness the last four or five years or so, it seemed to escalate to the point uh, where the divide had never been greater. Yep. And so uh, Martin Luther King, for all of the things that he was professing and attempting to do, I, I, I don't know, as he looks down on what's going on in human condition today, would you think that he would be pleased that any significant amount of progress had been made? I, I, I guess some, you know, maybe it's better than it was. I, I'm not sure. It, it, it's better than it was in the 60s it, by far. But it's not as progressed as you would think it would be 60 years later. Certainly everything has been uh, far from resolved. Let's put it that way. Including, yes. uh, you know, uh, ideas on racial divide and, and the way things work out in this country. So uh, let's hope we can make some progress on that. Everybody gets over this COVID thing. And we could just dive into uh, more significant uh, situations like what's going on in the National Football League and what transpired over the weekend which uh, well, one of our theories, again, and I, I didn't buy into it this time, uh, the don't bet against the devil yeah, gambling theory, because you would have to say that uh, if you had Nick Saban clear-cut as the uh, devil in, in the college ranks, uh, that Bill Belichick would represent that devil in, in the pros. Would he not? Bill Belichick. People root against Belichick. They don't like yes, Belichick. that's what he is. He's done all kinds of uh, you know underhanded things uh, that uh, everybody's just kind of shrugged their shoulders at. Even Bob Kraft, I mean, what a disgrace. Uh, you know, how, how embarrassing is that? Come on, Bobby. You got billions of dollars. You got babes all over the place. And, and you're in this uh, Asian, Asian spa. spa where there's <laughs> sex trafficking people. And he's going there I mean, Not that it's funny. I, I don't mean to laugh at that. But, no, I mean, uh, you know, imagine the cops there. They're just on surveillance on some other thing, right? They've been examining this place and uh, kind of, uh, you know, sitting outside there going, uh, oh, let's see, that looks like a John. Yeah, and then uh, one of the cops goes, hey, you see that guy in the uh, the red tie and the blue shirt with the white collar and the blue blazer? You're not the guy that owns the Patriots? Yes. <laughs> so they happened. decided to go in and investigate, which yeah. I, I guess, you know, what was the thing that got him off the hook on that case? Because a very high-priced lawyer managed to find some loophole. And so uh, it, it uh, avoided becoming any further embarrassment. So uh, people like to root against the Patriots. They were happy they lost Brady. 
Yes. Uh, in fact, it seems like as much as a lot of uh, people had animosity that they want to direct towards Tommy Boy, uh, that since he's gone to the Buccaneers, all of a sudden he's 44 years old and what a great, wonderful human being and athlete he is. Outside of Dolphin Although, fans, that's pretty much yeah. the consensus, yes. Although, I, I, how 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 much money was he demanding per second to be in that Subway commercial? <laughs> yeah, it's in for 50, he's in for like eight seconds. <laughs> he's not even in for eight seconds. What are you talking about? They, they cut him off before he could finish pronouncing his name. Now, that's either the worst edit in the history of Madison Avenue or... They couldn't afford to pay him long enough to be in the subway commercial to go, but I'm Tom Brady. That doesn't even take two seconds, Louis. But I'm Tom Brady, and they cut off the E. It's just like, but I'm Tom Brady. Now, was that by design, Louis? Because if it was, it was really poorly conceived. By It always amazes me how you can have some commercials where you have no idea what the commercial was about, and yet they paid guys zillions of dollars on the creative team there at uh, – Young and Rubicom, right, or whatever, some big ad agency in New York, and uh, gray advertising. And they paid a guy zillions of dollars to come up with a, a commercial that you have no idea what it was for. Or it's so bizarre, right, like those Matthew McConaughey commercials. What was that for, Lincoln? Yes. So bizarre yes. that, uh, you know, it's so out there, and you're watching this thing going, you know what, I think I'll go out there and buy one of those. And you're like, what? I mean, he literally, he, he looked like he was going to drive the car off a cliff. Yes, that's how it feels. <laughs> the way he's talking, it's very weird and depressing. Weird, yeah. Like, <laughs> like a guy that's uh, suffering from just, uh, you know, I, I mean, a manic depression. <laughs> the way, there's the and you're thinking, the okay, there's going to be like a little uh, graphic at the end there superimposed over like a black <laughs> screen suicide. that says, check your mental health. <laughs> yes, the suicide hotline. And instead, it's like somebody throwing you the keys to a navigator. I mean, well, what the hell? <laughs> the world has gone Michigan. All right, anyway, Belichick goes down. I mean, the most impressive team by far, Libby, you would have to say, was the Buffalo Bills, was it not? It's not because New England is a shit team or anything. I mean, uh, you know, and people now are demeaning uh, Bill Belichick. Yeah, I told you they weren't contenders. I always love fans after the fact. And uh, now with social media, everybody is an analyst. Uh, I mean, uh, everybody's Al DeRogatis at this point and could tell you anything and everything there is to know uh, about what happened in a game of football. So now all of a sudden uh, the Patriots, who I think had just a wildly overachieving season this year, did they look like a great team on paper? By no means. Out of the way. Starting a rookie schmink quarterback (laughs) that uh, 14 other teams bypassed and four other quarterbacks were taken before him. Yes. And they turned him into the second coming of Tom Brady, or, or so it appeared. Now, he was uh, going into uh, that ball game uh, as, uh, you know, uh, one of the few rookies ever to start a yes. postseason game. It's very rare. Very rare. Uh, you know, he hadn't necessarily, uh, you know, done anything so significant in, in the previous win over Buffalo. And, and anybody who thought that that was going to be a repeat performance, where New England was going to run the ball for uh, 300 yards in the ball game, and the Buffalo Bills were just going to look like a bunch of stiffs, against the run and then couldn't generate any offense. Cause let, let's not forget the winds were gusting at about 60 miles an hour in, in that previous matchup in a regular season. What, when new England prevailed and everybody was, uh, we were hailing uh, Belichick as the all time coaching genius. Yes, we did. For pulling off that game plan. Let's run it 60 times. <laughs> but, but the mark of a good coach, uh, you know, is, uh, what can you do in, in, in situations where you are overmatched? Or can you uh, win games, a majority of your games, with a team that isn't really all that great? Mm. 
And that's pretty much what Belichick did this year. So, um, you know, I, I will always say uh, the best of all time, Bill Belichick, especially able to accomplish what he did uh, during cheating notwithstanding. I always throw the cheating out there just because he, there, it happened a lot. However, from what we've been told, most teams are doing similar things to what they're doing. And he just keeps finding new ways to win. And, and he keeps turning it over. And the guy can coach. But it was really fun as a Dolphin fan to see yesterday Bill Belichick go down in flames, get routed by Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen. Ed Norton, a character, uh, he played Worm in the movie yes. Rounders. I mean, uh, essentially is where Belichick is at with the cheating. I, I don't think the <laughs> cheating is even that relevant, right? Uh, now, it's a little different when people talk about Barry Bonds, who's, uh, I guess, uh, does he have a shot to go into the Hall of Fame, the final uh, season that uh, he's eligible uh, before uh, maybe, what, uh, like 25 years from now, somebody says, oh, you know what, they let Gil Hodges in. How could they keep this guy out? <laughs> Which, uh, you know, most people say and contend that he would have been a Hall of Fame player without the, the maybe he'd never done the juice. Yes. That he was good enough if he was averaging 30 home runs a year or whatever, 27 home runs a year and h hitting for a high batting average and what was a great defensive player. Uh, you, you would say I, I didn't strike out any pitch that was anywhere near the plate. He whacked it out of the park. Uh, Pre-Juice, he, he was a good enough player maybe to make the Hall of Fame, as was the case with Clemens and uh, others uh, that, that are on that list. I don't know about Sammy Sosa or McGuire because they seem to genuinely benefit uh, immensely. They weren't as good before doing the juice. So, uh, you know, but at the same time, the cheating enhanced what he was doing so much that it's no longer insignificant. I mean, uh, he wasn't hitting 70 home runs a year. He was hitting like 28. So it made a big difference. You would have to say that that's a fair conclusion. Uh, the cheating with Belichick, I, I don't know that it's any more significant than uh, the scene in the movie Rounders uh, where Ed Norton as Worm starts dealing cards off the bottom of the deck, even though Matt Damon was going to take all of the cops' money anyway. So they could have avoided a beating, had all the money they needed, paid off their debt to the loan shark, and uh, been out of it with KGB. But then we wouldn't have had that great scene at the end of the movie where Matt Damon takes down, uh, you know, KGB in the heads-up card game. But to your point, uh, KGB, KG, KGB, and all his cronies are not happy with the cheating. They find out about the cheating. And doesn't Worm get annihilated? Like, don't they wreck the crap out of him? Because... Oh, no, this was in the game with the cops. Yeah, no. KGB, well, no the cop, I, But yeah. in that game, don't they find out that he's cheating? And yeah, he gets his, yeah. He, and they beat the shit out of him. Within an inch of his life, even though he, they didn't need to cheat, he did cheat... And yeah. that was a big deal to the cops. <laughs> they beat the crap out of them. Well, they didn't like them taking their money. I, I guess you could say that about Belichick. That's I mean, what if I'm you're saying. Cheating and it's giving you any advantage whatsoever. Exactly. So what if you know the other team's play? I, I, I'm not the <laughs> professor. I'll call him a great coach. I can't. I'm not going to go to that point because I do think the cheating is something everyone's doing. No, I, I think he's great. I, I, I don't I know that you could deny you. that. But I will bring it up because it happened a lot. They've gotten caught cheating like four or five times. <laughs> like, All right, that being said, I mean, uh, Buffalo Bills were, were the darlings of yes. everybody early yes. in the season. Uh, everybody thought, wow, the Buffalo Bills look great. And they're going to the Super Bowl. And they were probably the lowest odds to make it there of uh, teams uh, in the AFC. I, I don't know that anybody thought Tennessee was going to be the number one seed this year, uh, even with Derrick Henry in the lineup. And uh, by the way, is he coming back, Derrick Henry? Yes, he's supposed to be back for the playoffs. And the fact that they got – he started practicing last week, and then they got this entire week off, so it's like two weeks of practice time. He's going to be there for the their divisional round playoff game. Wow, what a story that could be developing. And I, I think they get uh, the soft spot as the number one seed. They're hosting Cincinnati, which of the teams that have survived in the AFC would be far and away, I would think, the easiest matchup. Because Kansas City 
they can always pull uh, one of those uh, juggernaut stretches there where they score like 42 points in five minutes. Yep. And uh, they seem to be capable of doing that, which they did against, uh, you know, a weak entry in the playoffs. Uh, far and away the weakest entry uh, of the wildcard weekend. You could say Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. Yeah, I, the Eagles, I guess, were better because it wasn't flash in the pan, and they made the playoffs. Like going into that last weekend, you had it; you already knew they were in the playoffs. Whereas the Steelers needed <laughs> a miracle of things to happen, yeah. and uh, Staley to be a total moron for them to get in. So they totally backed their way into the playoffs. But to me, both of them were teams that were going to get rocked in the first weekend, and they did. And they did. I mean, uh, they, they really were never. Yeah, I, I guess the Steelers win that game for uh, you know, most of the second quarter. And then uh, Kansas City exploded for two touchdowns uh, in the last four minutes of the half and then came right out in the first six minutes. They were already up by four touchdowns. So (laughs) that was that was essentially it. And and the only thing that came under consideration then was the spread, the spread. Yep. And the spread was pretty much in hand all the way. I woke up this morning, though, still with a little trepidation. I turned the game off. It was like 42 to seven or something. (laughs) So, of course, it was 42-21 in the end, and you probably had to survive a scare and a heart attack and all the other things that go along with a lot of these games. Uh, There were some close games involved in the postseason. A controversial game, we mentioned Cincinnati, and we talked about this on our ION Channel show today, uh, Mike Luby-Lewitz. Yes, sir. Uh, The the erroneous whistle, if if it happened to be enforced, as uh, apparently the rules would have correctly uh, stated that that play shouldn't have counted then because a whistle blew during the course of the play and before, and it was pretty clear it was before the catch was made. Yeah, right? it was. Yeah, it was before. But it wasn't like minutes before. It wasn't like hours before. It was like just before. You know? It, yeah. Like, I mean, the, the guy was going to make the catch like, anyway. It wasn't like the defender was like, oh, there's the whistle. Like, yeah. the whistle happened as he's making the play. <laughs> like, the guy was wide open. Uh, the, the players had stopped, not because of the whistle, which uh, they couldn't. I mean, uh, my dog couldn't have even picked up this whistle <laughs> if, if they were defending uh, the receiver who eventually caught the touchdown pass. Um, but uh, none of the, the, the defenders had, had kind of laid off because they thought Burrow was out of bounds. Had nothing to do with this uh, erroneous arbitrary whistle that, that popped up, which uh, by rule and definition of the rules, they should have gone ahead and, and replayed the down with the touchdown being erased. Okay. Is that significant? Yes. Yes. To the betters? Yes. Yes. Because <laughs> you're uh, laying six with Cincinnati, if you like Cincinnati, because I, I didn't think the Raiders would even put up as good of a fight as they did. I didn't. And, and they were getting played pretty much for the entire game. First half was all Cincinnati. Cincinnati wasn't able to score much in the second half. They were held to just a couple of field goals. But uh, they uh, certainly were dominating uh, throughout most of the ball game, and it always appeared that Cincinnati was in command. Yes. Always. Until the very end. <laughs> Which, of course, uh, you know, here, here's uh, Las Vegas. What would a chance to come back in time? But they were coming off a Monday night game, and it, it was uh, just a, a bitter battle there. Well, what was it? A Sunday night game. And having to travel across the country. And, yeah. But we know these are not favorable circumstances in the postseason. Nope. So uh, I give them credit for hanging in there because uh, they were in there at the end with a fighting chance. And uh, we're at, what, about the 15, 20-yard line? Uh, maybe even closer than that, uh, maybe about the 15, and they have a shot to go into the end zone. <clears throat> and, and they had done anything to sabotage themselves also. Another team very much like the Dallas Cowboys that is uh, hell-bent on self-sabotage. Oof. So, yeah, I mean, in spite of all of the stuff that they had done to compromise their chances of winning the ball game, they're in there with a shot to uh, at least go into uh, overtime yep. as Derek Carr throws one final pass and it gets picked off. And, and that was an even more atrocious non-call. 
was, uh, you know, the fact that these guys dove over the back of the receiver to make the interception. <laughs> uh, probably hit him about uh, five seconds too soon. And no call there, which is fine with me because, uh, you know, you don't want to have every game end with, with flags and just go on forever into perpetuity uh, with one penalty after another until yep. they finally decided in favor of the other team. But but I, I thought that the controversy, uh, it would have been a shame if that touchdown was taken away on that basis from Cincinnati. Cincinnati would have been the team that got hosed, not, not Las Vegas in that spot. That's not a common opinion. Everybody wants to blame the officials and say they're horrific, which uh, that, that's a bad move. Let, let's face it. The guy blows a plate dead that wasn't dead. But uh, it, it happened so instantaneous and uh, within a split second, I thought, before the catch was made that it had no impact whatsoever on the play, the whistle. Would you say that's a fair statement? Well, and that's my we thing go. is, look, I these rules are made and they're – they're legislated by the law, by the letter of the law, but I always hate that. Like, I always feel like the rules should be followed. And look, and that's sort of how I am spiritually. I'm more spiritual than yeah, religious. Like, I You're believe so in full the, of it. But, but to me, like, to follow it to a T, well, this and that, it's like, yeah, but come on. Like, can't you take a step back as a human being and understand? It's like what our court system does. Like, they don't do it by the letter of law. They do it by cases, and they do it by experiences, and they do it by human interactions. And to me, when the pass interference is, well, he was there. Yeah, but was he? Did it really affect the play, the holding calls, when the guy's on one side of the field? It's like you're playing tennis, and uh, you missed a shot, but uh, simultaneous to that, somebody happened to hit a ball that uh, rolls onto your court. But you know you would have missed a shot exactly. anyway. So, uh, you know, you give it to the guy, right? The guy says, oh, oh do you want to play a lead on that? No, nah, no, nah, it really didn't bother me. Exactly. And that was the truth. If the Raiders were being honest about that, instead of uh, trying to hold on to this farce that uh, this penalty, uh, well, it wasn't a penalty, that uh, the play should have been stopped and replayed, uh, I, I think there, there was no impact on, on that particular play, uh, the arbitrary whistle, erroneous whistle that, that was blown by the officials. But the officials, those officials are banned now from the rest of the postseason. Yeah, They're done. That sucks. They don't want to see him again. So uh, that that was uh, you know an unfortunate circumstance there, but uh, nonetheless, I, I think the right uh, the right result uh, was uh, what stood up there, which yeah, was yeah. Cincinnati really did deserve that touchdown. That, that may be a very unpopular opinion. I, I don't know. Uh, anyway, so Cincinnati uh, now has to uh, go on the road and, and take on Tennessee. I, I don't know what to make of Tennessee. Yeah, you mentioned Derrick Henry back. What Henry? Tennessee did looks impressive in spots. Uh, doesn't overwhelm me. I, I don't know that that game. You would have to think Tennessee would be a favorite in that game since they're home, and that uh, Cincinnati is now going to try and uh, go out on the road and perpetuate uh, what was uh, a much more dicier proposition against the Las Vegas Raiders th- than it probably should have been. Right now, I'm seeing uh, Buffalo, Tennessee yeah. uh, favored by three and a hook, and the over/under at forty-six and a hook. Seems about right. Yeah, a lot yeah. of people are on a Joe Burrow bandwagon. I, have, right I don't know Joe what to Burrow. do with the Bengals because Burrow looks really good and Jamar Chase looks really good and they have a nice thing yeah. going and the defense played really well in that game. But the Titans with Derrick Henry, until they play a, an elite team, seem to just mow through people. Like, and that yeah. strategy has worked for like three or four years now. The bye week is big and no doubt home field advantage is big. Playing one less game, getting your star back. Uh, the guy that's the fulcrum for almost everything you do offensively. Uh, probably can't hurt him. So uh, go ahead and plunge on Cincinnati now that we said that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> San Francisco, Dallas was great. I mean, how, how dumb is Mike McCarthy? I, that, that was uh, fantastic to watch that game. Uh, I am not a Dallas fan. I root for them to lose every ball game. Yep. Uh, it's one of those teams like Notre Dame with me, Ohio State. Uh, except for, you know, I mean, uh, you know, extenuating circumstances. 
where they're playing a team that you hate even more, like Alabama, if you were talking about the college teams. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, uh, I, I root for Dallas Lewis. I love seeing the shots of Jerry Jones in agony and complete and, and utter uh, unadulterated anguish in, in the booth. I love seeing Jerry look sick for some reason. Not that I want him to uh, you know, check out or anything. I don't wish him any ill mm. in that regard. But, uh, you know, just uh, that exasperated look on his face. The best. Like, why did I hire McCarthy? <laughs> no wonder they ran him out of Green Bay. We've had 20 years of that look. Or what is it, 18 years or whatever of that look? Like that's the, Or I guess almost 30 years of that look. That's my favorite look. Is Jerry Jones like, ugh. <laughs> Didn't he look like he just ate some, uh, you know, smoked yeah, like pastrami or something? <laughs> Looked like he had grease on his face. And, uh, you know, he's making these terrible calls and bitching and moaning about the officiating the entire ball game, even though the Cowboys usually are, are suspect to getting every break. Yep. Uh, from the officiating crews. And uh, then, uh, you know, San Francisco does everything in their power to hand the game to them on a platter. Literally, uh, like a waiter at a bar mitzvah. Just unbelievable. Uh, Would you like to try the hot dogs in a jacket? (laughs) No, we're out of mustard. No? Okay. I'll bring some of those conditions back. Mrs. Schwartz. No, I mean, served it up to them. Let them go right down the field. In like four seconds, three straight guys go out of bounds. Yep. And uh, they did everything in their power to give the game away, but uh, nonetheless, uh, they prevailed, and thank goodness for that. Yeah, thank goodness. And uh, Jerry was uh, kvetching and moaning uh, after. But, uh, you know, he, he could take a look at his uh, sidelines there. Uh, Jerry likes a lot of yes-men. We know that. And, yeah, uh, you know, he, he is very similar to a situation we have here in Miami where it seems like Stephen Ross, uh, the owner of the Miami Dolphins, like to surround, likes to surround himself with yes-men. Uh, is that characteristic of all owners? What what owners in the NFL are, uh, you know, putting people on their staff that are constantly saying, what What are you talking about, Steve, you moron? You're going to take Tango by Aloha? Uh, well, in New England, we already talked about them a lot. It's very clear that Bill Belichick doesn't give a shit what Robert Kraft says. <laughs> like, and uh, Kraft probably knows it. it. Uh, yes. Listen, I mean, he was lucky to get off, as we said, on that incident at the Asian Spa. Yeah. In Jupiter. A cheesy place, by the way, Bobby. Come on. Yeah, Jupiter, Wouldn't you think this guy would at least go with some class hookers? I mean, what what, what the heck is uh, this guy doing? I don't, I don't know. What... That that's that was a disgrace that got swept under the rug there. Of I mean, course. Uh, yeah, because it's Bob Kraft, right? Yeah. Likeable guy. Seemed sincere when his wife passed away. And like the next day, he oh, was he in the girl. sack with some actors. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was sincere. <laughs> anyway. I would think Mike Tomlin. I would think Mike Tomlin seems like a guy that also doesn't think twice about saying things to the owner. Like, there's a handful of guys that seem like. But they they don't mess with Tomlin. They they let Tomlin do uh, their thing. That's Pittsburgh's MO. They they let these guys uh, do their thing on the field. And that's what I'm saying. Like, Ross. And and they they realize, hey, we're we're not experts on this. You know, few people are, really, if you really get down to the bottom line. I mean, uh, so many mistakes making in drafts. And, uh, you know, you, you look at just. Horrendous errors that are made constantly by uh, organizations all across the league. It's not unique to any one team. Some of them do it less. (laughs) (laughs) And they're less dysfunctional in in the process. And and they don't uh, have constant turnover and change, which uh, is another thing. I mean, look, Belichick has uh, had to deal with any number of, uh, you know, evolving conditions in the National Football League including the fact that you can't keep a team together for very long. Team wins a Super Bowl, what happens? The first two uh, weeks after the season, boom. There goes, uh, you know, two of your top five stars going to another team. So 
Uh, to be able to do that and perpetuate that level of greatness, uh, I, I would have to think uh, top-notch coach. It can't be said about uh, Mike McCarthy. He looked like a bozo out there. No, he sucks. Yesterday. And Kyle Shanahan, who, uh, wow. He's I mean, Kyle weird. Shanahan, anything that he can possibly do to gag on a big ball game, he, he will do. He's a really And they good keep coach. Uh, praising this guy like he was a second coming of Vince Lombardi. Well, because he gets these leads. He's a good coach. The defense has become one of the better defenses in football, and he still has a good offense. And Jimmy G is now what people thought he was. So they, it looks like Kyle Shanahan's the guy. But the last six minutes of big games, he always Chokathon. Like, eh. My God. <laughs> Jerry yeah. Lewis Chokathon coming up here in a few minutes. <laughs> That's what it feels like. <laughs> Debo Samuel is a oh, very great. exciting player to watch. Yeah, I mean, uh, what Tyreek Hill was a couple of years ago, th this guy is a powerful version of that. Yep. Where every time he touches the ball, anything can happen, including uh, grinding out uh, that near first down at the end of the ball game there when they had like a third and nine and they're trying to ice the game. They need one first down to freeze out the Dallas Cowboys, and he gets it within an inch. They had to replay it a couple of hundred times. Finally, they moved the ball back, didn't make the first down. Now they're going to go for it on a quarterback sneak. The whole house knows what's happening, except for the right tackle. <laughs> I mean, how, how, how could you possibly? Have, that, that's an outrageous mistake. He wasn't even involved. I mean, it's not like the right tackle has to surge for the uh, quarterback to run a sneak of a half an inch. Essentially, that's coming right off the uh, bodies of the uh, center and the two guards. Yeah. The tackle's out of it. He's, has nothing to do with this play. He's pretty Zero. not responsible for anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, just don't go false start. False start. <laughs> that's it. My God. You wonder why coaches are suicidal. <laughs> but it's just funny that it, the same guys have the same issues. Like, it, it just, Kyle Shanahan's a good coach. He's shown himself to be a good coach. But his teams struggle at the end of these games. Constantly now. Like this you have is to be trend. able to close it out. I mean, uh, you know, and as a coach, you, you need to have your team in a position, right? Put them in a position to win. Well, well, uh, have these guys guard the sidelines, for God's sake. Anything caught in the middle of the field is yeah, a disaster for the Dallas Cowboys, right? So what does yes. he do? Out of bounds, out of bounds, out of bounds. <laughs> With ease. You have to be kidding me. <laughs> With ease. You have to make this guy throw the ball in the middle of the field, don't you? That's, that's all you do. Well, you see that where they'll have, like, all the they DBs time for three plays, the like. Nuts. Yeah. They run like seven plays there, including a running play at the end, which nearly got him a chance to throw the ball in the end zone from the 15. Incredible. All right, so, so uh, the uh, congratulations go out to the teams that moved on. Yes, sir. Uh, great matchup with Kansas City and the Buffalo Bills coming up next week. We'll find out uh, later on tonight uh, who prevails. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, who have been up and down this season, but dynamite on the road, I think unbeaten on the road. And the, the Los Angeles Rams, who also were a very good road team, but not as much at home, and uh, we'll see who prevails there for the right to go to Green Bay, right? Yes, sir. Uh, the winning team there. No, San Francisco goes to Niners Green Bay. must uh, be the worst team left, yes. Yeah. I would think they're going to Green Bay. San Francisco goes to uh, Green Bay. That's already set. Uh, so this will be for the right to go to Tampa and take on Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. That, that's happening tonight. Great weekend of uh, NFL football. Uh, figures to be another uh, strong one on tap. Uh, we'll get into a lot of analysis on that during the course of the week here on After Hours with Defoe and Luby. Uh, for Mike Luby Lubitz, everybody enjoy the uh, Martin Luther King commemorative holiday. I'm Jeff DeForest. Uh, we love being with you here on the Believe Podcast Network. So thanks so much for downloading the show and uh, tuning in when it's on live. And until tomorrow, we'll leave you with this thought. you got to believe. Hey, folks, Tony Segreto here. Let me ask you a question. What do you look for when you go out to eat? Good food, obviously, friendly atmosphere, not too loud, but good energy, reasonable prices, and a place where you feel comfortable. 
All those ingredients, <laughs> no pun meant there, are hard to find unless you're talking about the Texas Roadhouse. You see, they encompass all of those attributes. Really, really good food, amazing atmosphere, good for a family, good for a date, or just a night out for yourself, and prices that will make you extremely happy. Their ribs unmatched, steaks hand-cut every day, everything, and I mean everything, is made on site, including their incredible bread. It's the one day, folks, that you can forget about low-carb diets. Trust me when I tell you, Texas Roadhouse, your restaurant, your destination, when you say, where should we go and eat tonight? Play the ponies in style at Champions, the outstanding simulcasting room at beautiful Hylia Park. Yes, the grand old lady of thoroughbred racing has never been more vibrant, and you can wager on the races from the top tracks around the country while enjoying a cocktail at the Brass Rail Bar or any of the fine food served throughout the facility. If poker is your game, you're covered in style. And you can play all your favorite Vegas-style games, including blackjack, craps, and roulette in Hylia Park's sizzling hot casino. Get a player's card when you walk through the door for all kinds of generous amenities, including our favorite, free play. When you come out to the ultimate casino and entertainment destination, Hylia Park. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.